Hey, welcome everyone. Welcome to the No Like Trust podcast. I'm Christine George. And I'm Carrie Edwards. Woohoo! We have the other half of Post and Beam in the house. <laughs> Carrie is with us today. Um, all right, Carrie, just let's kick it off. What brings you on to the No Like Trust podcast today, which I'm pumped you're here. Well, if you're following Post and Beam at all, or you uh, have seen any of our recent social media posts or gotten our emails, you know that this week and today in particular, we're talking all about branding specifically for real estate professionals. So that's what we're going to talk about today, right? Yes. So how to build a recognizable and memorable brand, how to build trust. Uh, There's one main ingredient. And that is going to run like through our entire presentation today. And that is consistency. We're talking about consistency and consistency is like with anything, right? It's like exercise, eating well, um, you know, maintaining relationships, friendships, you need consistency in everything that you do. And it's no different with your brand. Um, So we're going to talk all about that today. We have a number of strategies we're going to share. And that webinar actually goes live at one o'clock. So we will put, if you're, you know, at one o'clock our time. So we'll put that in the notes in case anybody's here and wants to register. And if you're listening to the replay or the podcast, um, we'll definitely put the link in there so you can catch the replay as well. Um, Okay. So before we actually get into it, I have one uh, one question that I get all the time is, what is the difference between branding, marketing, and design? Because at Post and Beam, we are a marketing and design services firm. So what's the difference between branding, marketing, and design? Ooh, a lot of times they get thrown into the same bucket, right? You, you hear yes. them and think that they're interchangeable. And um, another couple of words that are often interchangeable are branding and logo, your brand and your logo. And those are different too. Yeah. So branding overall is is an overall, it's the umbrella for every way that you put yourself out there in the world. And it's not just how you put yourself out there visually with things like colors, fonts, and logos. Like that's usually what people think of when they think of branding, Um, it's, it's your tone of voice. It's your messaging. It's everything. Um, marketing is the really what you say. Marketing is the message in how you put yourself out there. Right. And then, um, design is how those things are created. Design is like the tool. Um, it's not, you know, it's not for the everyone. It's, it's the tool that you use to communicate. That's how I, okay. So, all right. So branding, is sort of the feeling. It's sort of the overall emotion of what defines you, your company, your brand. Um, We're going to talk about this quote from Jeff Bezos. That's, that is um, your brand is what people say about you when you leave the room, which like, for me, it like hits right here because at the end of the day, don't you want people to be saying great things about you when you walk out of the room, right? Especially if you're a real estate agent. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then I the marketing that, is oh. how you execute it. Sorry, go ahead. I think your marketing is how you execute it. And it's your messaging too. You know, your mm-hmm. marketing is the tactics that you use mm-hmm. to put to, to, to um, communicate your brand. Right. So I think mm-hmm. of marketing as, you know, your, your emails and your mailings and your, your signage and your, you know, the things that you're, where you're, 
telling a story and you're saying your messaging, that to me is more, is more your marketing. Um, Just to touch back on the reason why I think that the word brand and logo sort of get interchanged a lot. um, If you think about the original, I don't know if it's the original, but the origins of the word brand, it really does go back to branding cattle where, you know, farmers, cattle owners would take that hot steamy iron and put their mark on the hind of their animal. And so that that's kind of where your logo, the idea of your logo and brand comes into play. But in today's day and age, obviously, brand means so much more. It's one of those words that's evolved. Um, but that's the origin of the word brand. And I think that that's why people think, you know, brand, logo, same thing. That's so interesting. I don't think I knew that. It's a little creepy to think about. But it is yeah, a little I mean, creepy. It makes a little sense. Yeah. Creepy. But that's, I mean, if you look up brand in the dictionary, you know, that's one of the definitions and that's probably one of the originals. Oh my God, that's crazy. Okay, so it used to be a physical stamp. Um, now it's really an emotional connection. So it's an emotional connection that you have with a product or service. Okay, so why is it important? Oh my gosh, there's so many reasons why it's important. Um, your brand is how people know you and it's how people remember you. Um, and not to plug the title of this podcast, but it is how people know, like, and trust you, right? They know your brand because they remember your brand. And once they remember it and see it often, then they start to like it and trust it and create a connection. Your brand is how you create a connection between who you are and who your potential customer or your audience is. Okay. All right. So so, okay. So if I'm thinking about myself as a real estate agent and I go to a cocktail party, let's say it's a neighborhood block party. Um, and I'm, you know, introducing myself to people as a real estate professional because I actually don't have, you know, oodles of money like Nike or Starbucks and people aren't seeing me out there every single day, all day, all the time. The branding in that moment is how people perceive me. It's how I, the language I use, it's my, it's my body language. It's the visual cues that people see. It's my tone of voice. And then it's the feeling that I leave them with at the end of the party. Absolutely. If you're, if you have a great sense of humor and you want, you don't want to bottle that up and hide it. That's part of your brand because that's you being true to yourself and who you are. Um, so that's, you, you want to stay true to who you, who you are so that you, you do leave that, that brand, that, that impression behind impression. Yeah. That's really important. Okay. It's important because at the end of the day, you want to leave that cocktail party and have people want to call you when they need, you know, absolutely. Uh, real estate that's, services. That's absolutely. why you want that impression to be kind of solidified into your visual brand. Um, that's why we call mm. your logo, your visual brand, because you are probably going to hand out your business card or, you know, you want, you may send somebody to your website and what you want is for the impression that you left behind to be carried through into how you present yourself visually with any of your materials that represent your brand in a more physical way. Okay. So 
how does that happen? Like you're, you are a designer by trade. You are the design aspect of our company. You have years and years and years of experience working with big brands. Um, how do you take what the perceived um, impression is of a brand, a person or company and translate that visually? So um, it definitely I have to get to know the person or the brand or the company or the mission, right? So it depends on where we're starting. If you're working with a nonprofit, it's often you you have to get to know the mission. If it's a, an individual, you have to get to know the person. You have to know their likes, their their desires, their passions, their their mission, even if it's a, an individual, their niche. You need to know who they want to speak to. It's not just about who you are, but it's about who you want to speak to because you want to appeal to that audience, right? So obviously, you know this at Post and Bream, we work together as a team and your discovery questions that you ask in the early stages of getting to know our clients are critical for me to take that information and kind of let it swirl around in my head and here oh i like you know like betty russo is a great example oh she loves purple and red and purple and black and she wanted to incorporate that with her keller williams brand so we worked on that and we made it come to life and we went through a lot of stages to get there but in the end it really en encompasses who betty is and she can hand out her business cards and feel really confident that shows who she is. So that that's a great example, Betty. And actually, I think it would be worthwhile to talk about Betty and, and Diane Terry, who are two of our clients who we worked on at the very same time yes. and are complete polar opposites in terms of their visual brand. Can you speak a little bit to sort of how you got to Betty versus how you got to Diane um, and and actually, we'll we'll give you their websites too, so you guys can actually anybody's listening can actually see the difference. I mean, it's it's pretty yeah, like opposite ends of the spectrum. I was joking with Betty once that when I was telling her that I was simultaneously working on Diane Terry's uh, work when I was working on hers is that the only thing they both had in common is that their names both have five letters in their first name and their last name, and that was where <laughs> it ended. Um, and really, the the way we worked on them, the way it was different is that their personalities are completely different. And it was that getting to know them. We spent a lot of time talking to them. Obviously we knew Betty, although I didn't know Betty as well as you knew Betty coming into the whole process. Um, but you sort of tease out like their likes and their dislikes. And, you know, Betty was like, I love purple. And so then we showed her three different kinds of ways that purples, three different purple palettes that integrated with the Keller Williams brand. That was really important because there's a bajillion different shades of purple. We all know that, right? And we needed to narrow her focus and find the one that really said Betty Russo and the one that you know, spoke to her brand and how she wanted to present herself. And then on the flip side, Diane came to us and said, I want everything to be black and white. And that was the first <laughs> thing she said, I want everything to be black and white. I don't want any color. And as a designer, I was like, uh -huh, okay. And then as we teased out with Diane, it wasn't that she wanted everything to be black and white. She wanted everything to be subtle and neutral. Um, so we yeah. actually do have color. And sometimes people think that the, the neutrals, like the ones that we put on our walls, like behind me, it's vanilla milkshake uh, um, in Ben Moore. 
that has color in it, even though it's white, it still <laughs> has color. And that's why it's important to work with a designer, I think, because it's how we think we see the nuances. Um, like my my son, my 11 year old the other day said, what is the difference between cool gray and warm gray? And mm-hmm. I had to kind of go into this question this explanation, like, well, cool gray has a little bit more blue in it and warm gray has a little bit more yellow in it. And gray is not gray is not gray. And he was like, I never thought about that. And I was like, and if you put them side by side, the reason why they're called cool and warm is because they actually feel cooler. Mm, And there's the feeling piece of it. There's the feeling piece of it. And how do you want, you know, you want to be gray. And even Diane, I want everything to be black and white. Well, you want it to be a stark black or do you want it to be a soft black? Because they those feel very different. They're, one's a little bit more approachable. One is more charcoal. One is more organic feeling. And one is more rigid and techy feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of theory that goes behind color. So working on the two of them simultaneously, I felt like my brain was flipping side to side to side. But it was <laughs> good for me because it's always good to, to step away from something and to come back at it with a fresh fresh thought, fresh thinking. Yeah. Yeah. What, that was so interesting to that. Yeah. That you explained it really beautifully. And it was really interesting to see, to watch you, um, your thought process around both of those people. And, you know, and I mean, when you talked about like specifically with Betty bringing those three different shades of purple, what, I mean, for those of you who've not been through the process, what Carrie does is she puts together, um, boards, vision boards. And each of those three vision boards that she presented to Betty, not only had different shades of purple, but different vibes that sort of evoked very different feelings. And it was, it's just fascinating because the subtleties of each, like if you just saw one without the other two, you, you would have thought that's just, that's purple. But when you saw the images and the shades and the typography that went with each of those three vision boards, you definitely had, we all had a preference of, of one over another one because just because of the feeling that it evoked. Yeah, it was, yeah it's, I think it's one a fascinating was, process. One was a glamorous purple and it had like more of a jewel tone feel. And one was luxurious and more royal, a deeper purple. And then one was a little bit more of a pop, a little bit more of a fun, like eye-opening purple. Yes. Even Betty herself was like in our meeting when we presented them was like, I like number three. And then she was like, no, maybe I like number one. And then came back to us the next day, which this is important. We always tell our clients to sleep on it to not make a knee-jerk decision. She came back to us the next day or day two days later and said, I actually really love number two. And yes. that was the one that I loved also. So I was kind of happy, but I le- I never present work that I don't love because inevitably they're going to choose, well, hopefully they're going to choose one of them, right? And inevitably, yeah. inevitably, if you present work you don't like, that's the one your client's going to choose. So I always yeah. make sure I like everything I present and not just I like it's I, I hate to say it like that. Something that I know is right. I never want to present mm-hmm. work just to present a third option. If there's not a great third option, I'm probably only going to present two. Um, yeah. But I think with Diane, we presented four vision boards because I really mm-hmm. I I wanted it. To, I wanted to show her as many options as possible, um, and I really couldn't narrow it down because I probably had you know ten that I narrowed down. Yeah. To four. And 
then I was like, okay, this, I really need to know where she lands in this spectrum. And then we went from there and she chose one and we moved forward with it. So I think it was really important to show her, you know, all four spectrum, because as you said before, like, you know, black just isn't black. And she was very clear that she wanted black and white. But when you were able to show her various palettes of black, white, gray, warm, some warm tones, um, some natural tones, you know, sort of sprinkled in there. It really gave her something to think about. Um, and so that kind of goes back to my original question, which is, you know, how do you actually translate that? And, and, you know, one of the biggest ways I, I think that I've seen you do it is to provide um, numerous examples of, you know, how that might come to life based on the discovery. So it's a, it's a fascinating process and it's so fun. Yeah. And people come to you knowing that they like, they have a really solid idea or they think they have a solid idea of what they want, but not everybody has, it's hard to step outside of your own brand too. And, and look at it. Like yes. it's hard to do your own thing. That's why you hire somebody else to do it. That's why it's terrible for designers. We, like we agonize over designing our own brands because we we're doing it ourselves. So we don't have somebody else to step outside um, but so our clients come to us very often with, I want this and it's like, okay, but you need to push them a little bit. You need to expand that vision and the vision yeah. boards that we create do that. They, they show them a broader spectrum and then yeah. we narrow it down from there. Yeah. So awesome. Okay. So let's go back to good branding. Um, what in your, from your perspective are the most important elements of good branding. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about this today in our webinar. I think one of the most important things, you could have the ugliest, most horrible logo or whatever, but if you if you use it consistently, you will be remembered. Um, so consistency. Of, it's the consistency that I think is probably the most important thing. A good example is if you grew up in uh, Southern New Hampshire or Massachusetts, um, in the eighties, like I did, there was a weather guy on, I think it was channel 50. Um, and his name was Al Capralian and he started his weather report every night with this horrible, annoying, good evening, but that was his brand. And I'm 47 years old and 40 (laughs) years after Al Capralian started his, I still remember his name and how he started his broadcast and that yeah. that's branding that's yeah. he was consistent with it if he didn't start people would say where's his horrible good evening yeah. so yeah. being consistent with your messaging and your tone your colors your fonts and all of that it's it, that's the most important thing everything okay. else is gone by the wayside give me an example of a strong brand in your mind and tell me why it's strong I mean, Target. Target's one of my uh, prime examples of a strong brand. They use only red. I mean, maybe sometimes red and white, obviously, but like red and white, their icon is a Target. It is the name of their brand. And they're consistent. They're unwavering. They don't add a bunch to their branding. You see it and you know it's Target. I think they're one of the the smartest, most buttoned up brands out there. Awesome. What, um, in our industry, what are some of the biggest challenges you see? So in the real estate space? 
So <laughs> where to start? There's so many. I mean, with real estate agents, what was the the data that we just pulled? There's 1.6 million registered members of NAR. So yeah. you're and no, are you competing against 1.6 million agents? No, because you're you're working in your market. But we know that if there's 1.6 million in the United States, there's a lot of real estate agents in your market. So you're competing with a lot of people and you're always trying to stand out. And the other thing is sometimes you're competing with people within your same brokerage. You know, every every mm-hmm. real estate agent is an entrepreneur. So you can't always bank on your franchise because it has to be you. So the thing I think that agents struggle with the most is trying to stand out and be different. But a lot of times what we see them do is pile more and more on to yes. trying to say so much. Yeah. And they're also looking at what somebody's doing over there. And so then they're, yeah. they're they're taking what somebody else is doing and not being true to themselves. So I think yes. over messaging and also trying to mimic what other people are doing and diluting who they are in the process. Yes. Oh my God. I, I don't think you could, could have said it better. I mean, it's, they're trying to stand out. They think they'll just continue to do more, more, more. I'll put a few more shamrocks on this, some hearts on that, you know, like I'm gonna put a, you know, sunflower today. Um, what the heck Google does it. And, um, yeah. And I really like what she's doing and what she's doing and what they're doing. And, you know, we're salespeople, you know, by nature. And so our, you know, and given our, you know, where we are in terms of technology and stuff, we we don't have any attention span. So we're constantly, you know, shooting from the hip, I think. I think another thing is that um, Canva has done real estate agents a great service and a great disservice at the same time. Because Canva allows, and this is people in general, it's not just real estate agents, but I think agents really fall into this trap where Canva is great. You could do a lot on your own and I'm not dissing Canva. We use Canva. However, Canva has so many choices. And if you're constantly using a different Canva template or different imagery on Canva, because it's like eye candy, you know, it's like you almost can't resist. Yeah. So you want to just like, it's so cool. Oh, maybe today I'll use this Canva template. Every time you do that, you're diluting your brand. It's And it's so hard. Mm -hmm. You think you're being boring by sticking with the same iconography and the same kind of imagery and colors. It's not boring. It's consistent. And it's, it actually makes you more memorable than when you're going all over the place. Oh my God. So helpful. Super, super important. Okay. So who in our industry do you think does a good job and why? Who in our industry means specific agents? Um, agents, brokerages. Okay. Um, you know, I absolutely love how Pam Blair of Yoga Bug Real Estate does her marketing. Pam is consistent with her typography. She's consistent with her logo. She's consistent with her messaging. She's consistent in so many ways. When Pam, she's consistent with her social media, like no other agent. I, I mean, we follow a ton of agents in our social account, right? And when I see Pam out for a hike and she's pointing up, 
she's talking about her market report. I don't even need to see the captions or turn on the sound. I know that's how Pam delivers her market report. It's like Al Caprelli and the way he introduces his weather report. That's how yeah. Pam does her market report. And it's so consistent and so memorable. And she embraces the basic principles of her lifestyle and focuses on them. So Pam talks yeah. about her dogs. She talks about her yoga practice. She talks about her RV and she talks about the outdoors. That's yeah. Pam. Yeah. And, and she, sometimes she doesn't even talk about it. She just is in the environment. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so you don't even, it's all come almost like sometimes you say like, you don't have to have your logo everywhere. Right. Just be within your color scheme or just be within your environment or, you know, be within your, um, you know, like Linda Okaneski is like uh, the redhead. That's not something that she can even change, but like she's known as the redhead because she yeah. has red hair. It's like your signature, whatever it is, that's all part of your brand. Embrace your brand. And, you know, Barbette yes. with her, her wigs, mm-hmm. you know, when you know, when you see yeah. her talking about her wigs, you know, that's Barbette's and, and Barb yeah. is really good with color in terms of she uses pink a lot and she wears it a lot. It's not just, yes. it's not just how she um, shows her logo. It's like you said, you don't always have to show your logo, but she wears her brand colors. And yes, you know, today I have on our brand colors. So it's, it's important to kind of even use nuances to reinforce your brand, your brand. Yeah. So important. Okay. Um, We are at um, almost at the half hour mark. We like to keep this to 30 minutes. I have one more question and then and then just some wrap up stuff. Um, so in our webinar that's happening after this, we are going to share eight strategies. Um, can you give a sneak peek into like maybe one of those strategies? Oh, I'm trying to think of the best one. Okay. I think that one of the strategies that we're going to share that really can't be talked through is the use of typography and fonts. Because Mm. there are so many bajillion different fonts and it's really tricky to know how to use them, how many to use, where to use the right kinds for the right information that you're trying to get across. And we're going to show an example and really talk more in depth about why certain fonts work in certain places and others don't. Ah, beautiful. I love it. Okay. Um, As we wrap up, what are the three most important things you think our community should know today about branding? Be consistent in every possible way. If you feel like you're getting in over your head, get help. Anything that's out of your depth or frustrates you is not worth your time when you can hire somebody to do it for you, right? And Oh gosh, the third one. That's tough. Um, be consistent, get help. I don't know. Can't think of a third one. I, I think I I I think it's, you know, um based on everything you said, I think it's really, you know, um, um oh my god, I can't even like total well, I just have one that popped into my head. Be true to yourself. Be That's true what I was to gonna who you say, are. Yeah. Be true to who you are. So don't try to come up with a, an image that isn't you. So I guess that's the, that's probably the most important thing. Yes. Awesome. All right, Carrie, finish the sentence. 
know like trust is how brands and people are remembered and recognized. Oh, how brands and people are remembered and recognized. Love it. Oh my God. Yep. So fun. Yeah. I love spending the no like trust time with you. This is so fun. We talk all the time, but it's a little different when you're asking me these questions about like what I actually do. So (laughs) I know, I know. I love it. I love it. Um, Okay. So for everybody who is um, watching, um, thank you so much for being here. If you're listening on the podcast or watching the replay, thank you so much. Um, If you love what we're doing, share with a friend, leave us a five-star review and, um, you know, click that subscribe button and we will look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Take care. Bye.